the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. Here we are. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Glad to be with you tonight for this edition of the Bible Live broadcast. We are finishing the book of Genesis with Jacob and his family saved by Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery down in Egypt. They begin now this 400-year period that was prophesied way back in the time even of Abraham. Now, they don't start out being slaves. They start out being honored guests there in the land of Goshen. But soon it turns to intimidation. They become a threat to the Pharaoh, the political powers of the society they're in, and they become a slave nation. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'll catch you up a little bit more with some of the context. Right now, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. Psalm 14 begins with that very famous statement that only the fool denies God. David is the author of this Psalm 14. It talks about the groundlessness of saying that there is no God, no creator, no designer, because it wipes out all kinds of things in our human experience that are so positive and good. Beauty, morality, all go down the tube if there is no God. Let's listen to the Bible. Psalm 14. Only fools say in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. No one does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if there is even one with real understanding, one who seeks for God. But no, all have turned away from God. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not even one. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread. They wouldn't think of praying to the Lord. Terror will grip them, for God is with those who obey him. The wicked frustrate the plans of the oppressed, but the Lord will protect his people. Oh, that salvation would come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel. For when the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. End of reading, Psalm 14. I will celebrate, sing 
the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Only fools say in their heart there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. Interesting insight there. Those who deny God and refuse to acknowledge Him, or at the very least to have a heart of gratitude for the goodness that the Creator has given to us, they often say, well, we're just as good as you. It's hard for us Christians or believers to say, well, no, you're not good, you're wicked, you're evil, because they are neighbors and they take care of their garden and mow their lawn and do things like us. And yet the Bible is clear that those who refuse to acknowledge their Creator and refuse to even show gratitude for the Creator, that is indeed the heart, the foundation of wickedness and selfishness. I can see it. I can see the logic of it. I really can. Well, let's go now to the book of Genesis, picking up in chapter 46 at verse 28. Jacob's family finally moves on down into Egypt. They meet the Pharaoh and get their life started there on the Bible line. Genesis 46, 28 through 50, 26. Genesis 46. Jacob sent Judah on ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the land of Goshen. And when they all arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father. As soon as Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept on his shoulder for a long time. Then Jacob said to Joseph, Now let me die, for I have seen you with my own eyes and know that you are still alive. And Joseph said to his brothers and to all their household, I'll go and tell Pharaoh that you have all come from the land of Canaan to join me. And I will tell him these men are shepherds and livestock breeders. They have brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own. So when Pharaoh calls for you and asks you about your occupation, tell him, We have been livestock breeders from our youth, as our ancestors have been for many generations. When you tell him this, he will let you live here in the land of Goshen, for shepherds are despised in the land of Egypt. Genesis 47 So Joseph went to see Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers are here from Canaan. They came with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and they are now in the land of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked them, What is your occupation? And they replied, We are shepherds like our ancestors. We have come to live here in Egypt, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there. We request permission to live in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your family has joined you here, choose any place you like for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. The land of Goshen will be fine. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock too. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How old are you? Pharaoh asked him. Jacob replied, I have lived for 130 hard years, but I am still not nearly as old as many of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before he left. So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt, the land of Ramses, to his father and brothers, just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph furnished food to his father and brothers in amounts appropriate to the number of their dependents. Meanwhile, the famine became worse and worse, and the crops continued to fail throughout Egypt and Canaan. Joseph collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan in exchange for grain, and he brought the money to Pharaoh's treasure house. When the people of Egypt and Canaan ran out of money, they came to Joseph crying again for food. Our money is gone, they said, but give us bread. Why should we die? Well, then Joseph replied, since your money is gone, give me your livestock. 
I will give you food in exchange. So they gave their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food. Soon all the horses, flocks, herds, and donkeys of Egypt were in Pharaoh's possession. But at least they were able to purchase food for that year. The next year they came again and said, Our money is gone and our livestock are yours. We have nothing left but our bodies and land. Why should we die before your very eyes? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We will then become servants to Pharaoh. Just give us grain so that our lives may be saved, and so the land will not become empty and desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. All the Egyptians sold him their fields because the famine was so severe, and their land then belonged to Pharaoh. Thus all the people of Egypt became servants to Pharaoh. The only land he didn't buy was that belonging to the priests, for they were assigned food from Pharaoh and didn't need to sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, See, I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh. I will provide you with seeds so you can plant the fields. Then when you harvest it, a fifth of your crop will belong to Pharaoh. Keep four-fifths for yourselves and use it to plant the next year's crop and to feed yourselves, your households, and your little ones. You have saved our lives, they exclaimed. May it please you, sir, to let us be Pharaoh's servants. Joseph then made it a law throughout the land of Egypt, and it is still the law that Pharaoh should receive one-fifth of all the crops grown on his land. But since Pharaoh had not taken over the priest's land, they were exempt from this payment. So the people of Israel settled in the land of Goshen in Egypt. And before long, they began to prosper there, and their population grew rapidly. Jacob lived for 17 years after his arrival in Egypt, so he was 147 years old when he died. As the time of his death drew near, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If you are pleased with me, swear most solemnly that you will honor this my last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I am dead, take me out of Egypt and bury me beside my ancestors. So Joseph promised that he would. Swear that you will do it, Jacob insisted. So Joseph gave his oath, and Jacob bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 48. One day not long after this, word came to Joseph that his father was failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit him, and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Jacob heard that Joseph had arrived, he gathered his strength and sat up in bed to greet him. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you a multitude of nations, and I will give this land of Canaan to you and your descendants as an everlasting possession. Now I am adopting as my own sons these two boys of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived. They will inherit from me just as Reuben and Simeon will, but the children born to you in the future will be your own. The land they inherit will be within the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh. As I was returning from Padan, Rachel died in the land of Canaan. We were still on the way just a short distance from Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So with great sorrow I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath. Then Jacob looked over at the two boys. Are these your sons, he asked? Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them over to me, and I will bless them. Now Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, and Jacob kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see you again, but now God has let me see your children too. 
Joseph took the boys from their grandfather's knees, and he bowed low to him. Then he positioned the boys so Ephraim was at Jacob's left hand and Manasseh was at his right hand. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. So his right hand was on the head of Ephraim, the younger boy, and his left hand was on the head of Manasseh, the older. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May God, the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, and the angel who has kept me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac, and may they become a mighty nation. But Joseph was upset when he saw that his father had laid his right hand on Ephraim's head. So he lifted it to place it on Manasseh's head instead. No, father, he said, this one over here is older. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know what I'm doing, my son, he said. Manasseh, too, will become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater. His descendants will become a multitude of nations. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names to bless each other. They will say, May God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I am about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you again to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. And I give you an extra portion beyond what I have given your brothers, the portion that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. This is the Bible, lie with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 49. Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me, and I will tell you what is going to happen to you in the days to come. Come and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my oldest son, the child of my vigorous youth. You are first on the list in rank and honor. But you are as unruly as the waves of the sea, and you will be first no longer. For you slept with one of my wives. You dishonored me in my own bed. Simeon and Levi are two of a kind, men of violence. O oh, my soul, stay away from them. May I never be a party to their wicked plans. For in their anger they murdered men, and they crippled oxen just for sport. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. Cursed be their wrath, for it is cruel. Therefore I will scatter their descendants throughout the nation of Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will defeat your enemies. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who will dare to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will obey. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine because his harvest is so plentiful. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Zebulun will settle on the shores of the sea and will be a harbor for ships. His borders will extend to Sidon. Issachar is a strong beast of burden resting among the sheepfolds. When he sees how good the countryside is, how pleasant the land, he will bend his shoulder to the task and submit to forced labor. Dan will govern his people like any other tribe of Israel. He will be a snake beside the road, a poisonous viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so the rider is thrown off. I trust in you for salvation, O Lord. 
Gad will be plundered by marauding bands, but he will turn and plunder them. Asher will produce rich foods, food fit for a king. Naphtali is a deer let loose, producing magnificent fawns. Joseph is a fruitful tree, a fruitful tree beside a fountain. His branches reach over the wall. He has been attacked by archers who shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained strong, and his arms were strengthened by the mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd, the rock of Israel. May the God of your ancestors help you. May the Almighty bless you with the blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the earth beneath, and blessings of the breasts and womb. May the blessings of your ancestors be greater than the blessings of the eternal mountains, reaching to the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. These blessings will fall on the head of Joseph, who is a prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a wolf that prowls. He devours his enemies in the morning, and in the evening he divides the plunder. These are the twelve tribes of Israel, and these are the blessings with which Jacob blessed his twelve sons. Each received a blessing that was appropriate to him. Then Jacob told them, Soon I will die. Bury me with my father and grandfather in the cave in Ephron's field. This is the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite for a permanent burial place. There Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried. And there I buried Leah. It is the cave that my grandfather Abraham bought from the Hittites. Then when Jacob had finished this charge to his sons, he lay back in the bed, breathed his last, and died. This is the Bible, lie, with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 50 Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph told his morticians to embalm the body. The embalming process took 40 days, and there was a period of national mourning for 70 days. When the period of mourning was over, Joseph approached Pharaoh's advisors and asked them to speak to Pharaoh on his behalf. He told them, Tell Pharaoh that my father made me swear an oath. He said to me, I am about to die. Take my body back to the land of Canaan and bury me in our family's burial cave. Now I need to go and bury my father. After his burial is complete, I will return without delay. Pharaoh agreed to Joseph's request. Go and bury your father as you promised, he said. So Joseph went with a great number of Pharaoh's counselors and advisors all the senior officers of Egypt. Joseph also took his brothers and the entire household of Jacob, but they left their little children and flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. So a great number of chariots, cavalry, and people accompanied Joseph. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Atad, near the Jordan River, they held a very great and solemn funeral, with a seven-day period of mourning for Joseph's father. The local residents, the Canaanites, renamed the place Abel Mizraim, for they said, This is a place of very deep mourning for these Egyptians. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried his body to the land of Canaan and buried it there in the cave of Machpelah. This is the cave that Abraham had bought for a permanent burial place in the field of Ephron the Hittite near Mamre. Then Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's funeral. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became afraid. Now Joseph will pay us back for all the evil we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Forgive your brothers for the great evil they did to you. 
So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive us. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and bowed low before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph told them, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God to judge and punish you? As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position I have today so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. Indeed, I myself will take care of you and your families. And he spoke very kindly to them, reassuring them. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph was 110 years old when he died. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim and the children of Manasseh's son Machir, who were treated as if they were his own. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come for you to lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he vowed to give to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, When God comes to lead us back to Canaan, you must take my body back with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. End of reading, Genesis 46, 28 through 50, 26. This is the Bible Live. Thou shalt not go away. Welcome back to the Bible Live broadcast. We have read now our final reading from the book of Genesis tonight. The book that begins in a beautiful garden ends in a coffin in Egypt. A very dramatic difference between those two. And there's a long journey in between. We have covered it all from the time of creation, Adam and Eve, the first human beings, their sin, the entrance of sin into the human race. The sin nature became a normal part of human experience. Humans have an irrevocable, irresistible tendency to selfishness. It is absolutely incontrovertible, undeniable that this is true. The sin nature is present in the human race. Every human being, every nation, every language, every culture group, we all have that irresistible, irrevocable tendency to selfishness that will come out, that will express itself as we grow old enough to act on our own volition, our own initiatives. That is the essence of the sin nature. Because God has made a provision for that selfishness, because God has made an atonement for that sin, in spite of our sinfulness, we still have the opportunity to choose God. Now, Adam and Eve, they had to choose between God and self and sin from the side of sinless innocence. But they still had that same decision to make, and they chose wrong. We have the same decision to make, and those who are God's people, those whom God calls and who respond to the message of salvation by expressing hope, faith, and devotion toward God, and willingness to trust in his mercy and his kindness as he has expressed it by sending his own son to take upon himself the burden of our sin, they become the children of God. They become the people of God. What we call today the church, capital C Church, that does not correspond with just a membership in a church or that we got baptized here or there or somewhere or we went through certain religious or church rituals, not a one-to-one correlation whatsoever. Churches are full here in America. 
Churches are full of men and women who do not know God in that personal way that I am describing. Maybe they know about God, they know Jesus' words, God words, Bible words, church words, the vocabulary, and so on, but they have not been reborn. I hope that you do not figure among those who are simply religious but not redeemed. There is a very, very big difference. I hope that you have the confidence that you are rightly related to God, that your sins are forgiven and cleansed, that God is at work in you and with you and through you, even now on this earth, to fill your life with joy, with hope, with His strength and His power to overcome temptations. And, of course, we're all works in process. We grow. We still make mistakes. Our pencils still have erasers on them, as my good friend Roy always says. But we are redeemed. We are clothed in the righteousness of the Messiah himself. We are called and considered to be holy by our God because he has clothed us in the holiness and the righteousness of the Messiah. We are in the process of becoming what we already are. That's the process of sanctification. All of that is in the book of Genesis. That is where the redemptive story began. And we see the human race is split into two groups. Those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God ultimately says, Thy will be done. And you have the same decision. Will you be a Joseph? Will you be one who trusts God and loves God? A Jacob? Maybe later in life you come to faith, as Jacob did. It's never too late to turn your life and your heart to God, and He will receive you and redeem you and cleanse you. That is all found in the book of Genesis. Wonderful lessons of faith for all of us. Just a couple of research assignments for you, a little homework. You'll find these very intriguing and very enlightening and very encouraging to you. If you have access to the Internet, if you can go to Google, look up the Hyksos, H-Y-K-S-O-S. This is the line of Egyptian leaders that were actually from Canaan. They were the ones that brought Joseph into power. It's a very interesting study of history and archaeology. And then you might want to meditate on the similarities between Joseph and Jesus. Both of their fathers loved them dearly, shepherds of their father's sheep, sent by their father to their brothers, hated by their brothers, rejected by them. Often others plotted to harm them and so on. All the way through, you can see that Joseph is a wonderful type example of the Savior that would come. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.